Hey, can we give it up for the Michael Tyler Band? Man, I ain't, Michael, I believe, dude, you just, like, you just became my favorite worship leader, dude. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for blessing us. Dude, that was rich. That was so good, man. Hey, can we celebrate Jesus Christ through, through Michael Tyler tonight and giving him, giving him gifts? Woo! Look, I'm sure they're going to have stuff out. Um, we call it, some people call it merch. We call it Say Yes to Jesus because all of us need stuff in our life to help us say yes to Jesus. We need uh, music, we need Bible studies, we need sermons, we need everything we can to help us run for Jesus. Is that cool? So y'all ready to get to business tonight? Awesome. Now I've noticed you guys have an accent down here, right? Yeah. I don't have one though, do I? No. I always get tickled, man. I come to Texas to preach, people are like, where are you from? You got an accent. I'm like, really? You going to ask me that kind of crazy question? And then when I go to other states to preach, they go, are you from Texas? I'm like, uh, no, but it's a great place. Texas is the best, yes. It is the best. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. Got churches from all over the south and the southeast, south, mid, mid, mid-south, yeah. All over the place. Well, here's what we're going to do. You got your Bibles? Let's see them. Wave them in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. I got a freight train coming through the ceiling. I can't hardly see. There we go. Let me back up right here. Awesome. Cool. If you don't have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to share with somebody tonight. Hey, do you guys have a camp booklet? You got something to take notes on? Let's see it. Wave it up in the air. You got a journal? Nice. You don't have a journal? We'd love for you to find one piece of paper. And then you definitely need something to write with. So, cool. Hey, I want to I encourage you when you, uh, when you come into worship, just like Micah did, I want to encourage you to sit maybe with a, sit in a place or a position where you won't be, where you won't be distracted. And this comes from a dude with, with ADD. Um, I want to encourage you students to get sleep this weekend. I know that's crazy to say it. I know it is. I know it doesn't make you a popular speaker to say it, but let me tell you why. So here's the deal. You made it here, but you still have an enemy. And that enemy, he, he hates you. His name is Satan. And if he can get you over-skittled, over-soft-drink, and get you sleep-deprived, then he can give you, he'll, he'll make sure you're energized all day long until you get into here. And then you'll be like this. Like this the whole time. Missing the most important medicine for your soul. So I want to encourage you, man. Look at your boys and say, yo, dog, I got to go to sleep because I want to get medicine for my soul tomorrow morning and tomorrow evening. Deal? I promise you it'll be a great camp experience for you if you'll do that. Hey, I also want to encourage you guys when we're eating, I want to encourage you to thank like the kitchen staff and to love on them. And I want to encourage you when you get through your meal to like hop up and let the other 850 million people who are here have a chance to have a seat. But as you are going to throw away your tray, let me encourage you to do something. Could I encourage y'all to do something? So tonight, me and my boy Bricks are eating, and, and, and I realize not everybody's like six foot tall yet, and it's amazing how many times the back of my head got salad and salad dressing on it 
<laughs> because I got hit in the back of the head with a tray from some dude that was like this. Hey, what you doing? Bam. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Okay. So just pull your tray up just like this. How about that? <laughs> don't give everybody a tray concussion. You know, it'd be bad. Like, what happened to you at camp, Brian? I don't really know, man. These kids, they were like wrestling, hit me in the back of the head with a tray. And it was like square pizza and chicken nuggets and salad everywhere. Y'all know what I'm saying? Good deal. Sorry, that was kind of silly, but squirrel, here we go. Hey, can I invite my boy Brixton up for just a second? Is that cool with you guys? Brix, come on up. Grab a mic. Hustle. I always, uh, so I have four kids, uh, Brixton, Xavier, Briven, and then Georgia Rain, and I think it's already on. Is it already on? Yep, not on mute. No, it's not. Yes, it is on mute. Here we go. And so... Um, Brixon is my oldest. It's been a while since he's been able to travel with me, uh, but I'm going to ask Brixon to pray for us tonight. I'm going to ask him to pray in Spanish, and then I'm going to ask him to translate it, and, uh, and then we'll get to business. Is that cool with you guys? And look, if uh, Brixon and I can sit with you and like pre-worship stuff, please holler at us and be like, hey man, sit with us. And so uh, we'd love to do that, and, and like at breakfast or lunch or dinner. So Brix, let's do it, man. Did I put it on mute? I may have. Yep, I did. Here we go. Dios, gracias por este día que podemos venir aquí, que podemos hablar de ti y que podemos um, que aprender uh, más de ti. Y, uh, amen. Translate. God, thank you for this day that we can come and learn about you and talk about you. And um, if there's someone that, here, that doesn't know about you, that they would be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, little brother. I love you, man. So we want to talk about Collide, man. Collide. That's my boy. All my kids are fluent in Spanish, and uh, they go to a school, a dual immersion school, where their kindergarten was all Spanish, not a word of English was spoken. And then from that moment forward, one day's English, one day Spanish, uh, throughout their elementary uh, career. They've been in elementary school for like eight years now, so we're hoping we can graduate. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, if you're on social media, we have a uh, Facegram and a, uh, a Twitter page, uh, a Twitter book. And so I would love if you guys have one of those, if you want to follow us uh, as we follow Jesus, that would be so much fun. I normally do early in the morning, specifically during school, what I call the 22nd Ninja Chops to the Soul to get our mind right. So if you'd like to follow us, it's Brian BBM. Or if you hear me say something this weekend that you're like, oh man, that's cool. Jesus just spoke to me through that. Then hashtag it and throw it out there. So is that cool? All right. Collide. When two things strike and make a deep impact. I want to share with you guys a story that's a personal story because it's my story. Now, I, I want to do this if I can. Can I, can I show you guys a picture? But I want to ask you, when I show it to you, you can't laugh, okay? Is that cool? Can I show you a picture real quick? Let me show you a picture. <laughs> Some of y'all are mean. <laughs> this dude raises his hand. Bless your heart. <laughs> y'all know what that means in the South, don't you? Well, bless. That's cool. You know who this is? That's me with hair. My hair was so nappy, Moses couldn't part it, y'all. That's what I'm talking about. 
This is me at almost 16 years old. Where, where are my 15 and 16-year-olds in the house? Cool. All right. That's cool. This is a picture that I keep with me most all the time because it's a picture that reminds me of a very important time in my life. You see, it was this picture right here, guys, that was taken not long after I gave my life to Christ, after I collided with Christ, and he made a deep impact in my heart and in my life. Can I tell you the story of how I got there, though? Is that cool? So we moved around a lot as a kid. I didn't realize it at the time, but the older I got, the more I realized that the reason why we moved around is that my dad would have a an affair on my mom, he would cheat on my mom, and then he would, like a good country song, talk her into staying instead of leaving, and they would just move. But the only thing that changed was our address. And so we went from place to place to place as a kid, and so we moved around a lot. We finally landed in a place called Greenville, South Carolina. And, and, and it was just a crazy time in our life. I grew up as a real overweight kid. I grew up in the, in the 80s, and that's the generation that is making all the remakes of movies that I got to see firsthand. I grew up in the generation with the greatest gaming system ever. It was called an Atari 2600. That's what I'm talking about. It was amazing. You had, you had Frogger. You had Yars Revenge. Yes, sir. You had Space Invaders, and then you had the game of all times. Pac-Man and you didn't have a, a controller that had a zillion buttons now you had one joystick and a big bright orange button and you could rule the world y'all know what I'm talking about yes sir love it love it but I grew up we grew up way out in the country and so I had a long bus ride anybody ride the bus to school that's what I'm talking about how many of y'all have never ridden a bus in your life Bless your heart. Bless your heart. And every day I get on the bus, guys, I was a, like I told you, I was an overweight kid. By the time I was in the third grade, I had grown out of husky pants. Anybody know what husky pants are? Husky pants are for, for big little guys. You know what I'm saying? And by the time I was in the third grade, my mom put me in men's pants that fit perfect in the waist, but they had an inseam that hung way down here, and instead of my mom cutting the ends of the pants off, she just rolled them up. So every, every pants I, pair of pants I had, I had like a six-inch light blue cuff rolled up. And everywhere I went, it sounded like this. It was like, whoosh, whoosh, like that, right? So if I wore them today, I'd be like, yo, man, would you get them Hot Topic? But in the 1980s, that was the reason for a beatdown. And I had an afro, dude. I'm telling you, I had an afro. It was crazy. I was the first white kid in my neighborhood who could have the vanilla ice box. It was, it, was, it was faded and pushed to the top. It was awesome, baby. Right? But every day I'd get on the school bus and the kids are on the bus, they would do this. As soon as I stepped on the bus, they'd go, hey, here comes Fat Brian and he's going to sing a song for you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which was a, a remix of the Fat Albert theme. And on my way back down the the aisle of the school bus trying to find a place to sit. It was just like Forrest Gump. They'd be like, can't sit here, can't sit here. And they would poke me in my stomach like I was a Pillsbury Doughboy, like I was going to go, hee-hee-hee-hee. <laughs> and this happened every single day I got on the school bus. 
Most days I'd be so sick, I'd be so upset that like I'd almost like throw up before I got on the school bus. I'll never forget one night after football practice. See, by this time my folks had split up. When I was about 10 years old, my parents split and they stayed divorced until I was about 17 and then miraculously they got back together. So I grew up real quick. You know, with me? I started smoking weed when I was 10 and I gave away my virginity by the time I was 11. I grew up crazy. I tell you that not to brag, I just tell you to see what kind of craziness I was living in. And I'll never forget one night after football practice, I, I got ready to take a shower and I took my shirt off and I had all these bruises all over my stomach. And my mom, little Loretta, y'all say little Loretta? Come on, say it now, that's my mama. Little Loretta? Little Loretta looked at me, little Loretta five foot four, man, she looked at me, she said, what all them bruises come from, boy? Is that from football? And I said, no ma'am, it's not. And I told her exactly what happened. I told her the story of what happens on the bus every, school, every day at school. She said, boy, let me tell you something. You come home with another bruise on your stomach, I'm going to wear you out. Now, what you got to understand is little Loretta didn't play. Little Loretta did not need a man in her life to discipline her children. I have an older sister, Cynthia B. I'll tell you about her later on in the week. But Cynthia B. and I were like deathly afraid of our mama because she would cray cray. You know what I'm saying? My mama would whoop you with anything she could get her hands on. I never doubted my mama loved me, but if, if you were getting in trouble and she was standing next to a pair of shoes, it'd be like, shoo, 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 pow, and just bust you right in the head with it, okay? My mama could use the me Jedi mind trick on you, be like, Mama, I'm going over here. She goes, No, you're not. I'm like, I guess I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And so when Loretta said, Boy, you come home with another bruise on your stomach, I'm going to wear you out. I thought to myself, take up for myself or get another, get a whooping. I'm going to take up for myself. Next day on the school bus, I got on the school bus. First kid went, hey, hey, hey. I went, pop. And knocked him clean out. It's a whole new world. I sat, I sat wherever I wanted to sit on that school bus. The problem with students is this, is I exchanged one insecurity for another insecurity. I exchanged the insecurity for how I looked for the insecurity of how well I could use these. And so from my fifth grade year, sixth grade year, seventh grade, eighth, eighth grade year, that's all I did was fight every single day. I didn't care who you were. My best friend in middle school was a black guy by the name of Sal. He and I literally in the middle of a fight could not beat the other one up and we literally stopped and said, it's good dog. We're, and we were friends the rest of our middle school time. It was crazy. And that's all I did. If you were picking on another overweight kid, I'd beat you up. If you were picking on a girl, I'd beat you up. If you were just picking on somebody, you just looked like you needed to be beat up, I'd beat you up. <laughs> and it was all, it was all one exchange of an insecurity for another. The crazy thing was is that between my eighth grade year and my ninth grade year, I lost about 100 pounds. I just stopped eating Twinkies. And Little Debbie Cakes, I started running, and I started paying attention to, to myself. And when I went to high school, my freshman year, my first day on freshman campus, there was a dude who was a senior who was playing football. He went on to play for D Division I school, almost went to the pros, and he, he came up to me. He said, are you a freshman? I said, I am. He said, good. I've been looking for one to put in the trash can. I said, you got the wrong one here, Hoss. And he reached out to hold of me and about that time I think we got some technical difficulties going on at about that time you good Mike? Harry okay I'm gonna go to that mic if it keeps messing up that's cool 
About that time, he reached out and put his hands on me, and I just, bam, just uppercut him right here. Just crumbled right there, which was cool, too, at that point, because it's a whole new world, because I was like, I started sitting with the seniors, started dating senior girls, and really, life was just all about me. I didn't pay attention when I went to school. I just enjoyed myself. I thought I went to school for everybody to pay attention to me. And I'll never forget one Friday afternoon, I rode the school bus on the way home, and I got in an altercation with four other guys. And that next Monday, I was in my, in my English class, Coach Moore's class, and about, uh, about halfway through the class, there was a knock on the door. Our assistant principal, Mr. Elrod, walked in. He was like, oh, oh, he talked like this. He was like, oh, oh, Coach Moore, is, is Brian Burgess in your room? And y'all know what it's like when you get your name called out in class, right? What's everybody do? <laughs> I got up, man. I strolled across. This was the 1990s. We didn't even have any swag, but I had swag then, man. I was rolling across. I walked out, he said, oh, you need to get your books. I strolled back across, got my books, and walked out. And what I didn't realize was that there was a deputy sheriff on the outside of the classroom who immediately looked at me and said, Brian Burgess? I said, yes, sir. He said, you are under arrest. You're being charged with assault and battery with high and aggravated nature. You see, two of the boys had gotten hurt on that school bus, and their, their parents pressed charges. And immediately, it was a whole different ballgame. I'll never forget them having to call my mom. My mom worked two shifts to, to help us pay our bills. I started working when I was about 11 years old to help us pay our bills. And they had to call her and get off of work. And I'll never forget when they, my mom got there and the, the investigator who was investigating the whole thing, he looked at my mom. He said, Ms. Burgess, we can either take him to the Givens Youth Facility or we can send him home under house arrest with you. And I was like, please take me. Mama going to kill me, please. And my mama said, oh, no, I got this. I'm good. I was like, I'm gone now, y'all. I'm gone now. And I'll never forget, guys, my mom took me home. And on the way home, she said, Brian, I cannot believe this is the last thing I needed in my life right now was you to be in some serious trouble. But here's the deal. You're going to go home, and every day you're going to get up, and you're going to clean this house. You see, this was in January, and school didn't let out till the end of May. So she said, you're not going to lay around. You're going to clean this house every day. And if you don't clean this house, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear your hind end up when I get home. I thought to myself, I'm going to clean up the house or I'm going to get a whooping. I'm going to clean the house. And so that's what I did. Every day I got up, I washed dishes, I folded clothes, I made my bed, which I think is still the most ridiculous, useless task on the face of the earth. I'm just going to get back in it in about 14 hours later and mess it all up again. Shh. But that's not the point. Back to the story. So anyway, that's what I did every day. I mowed the yard. I learned how to iron clothes. I learned how to fold clothes. I learned how to do all that stuff. I'll never forget, guys, in the little house we lived with. We lived in a little mobile home, and we had a living room and a den. And the living room was where, like, all the old furniture was. You know what I'm talking about? Where you watch TV, where, like, if you pull up a, a cushion in the couch, you can find, like, four Skittles, 75 cents, and two McDonald's French fries. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that was the living room. But we had a living room and we had a den, and the den was where the good furniture was. And, and that's where, like, if you had visitors, then visitors came over. But when my parents split, we didn't have any more visitors because we were that family. We were that family that 
Well, you, we don't really know what happened to the Burgesses. They just, they just don't live together anymore. And my mom had that furniture covered up because when you're poor, you try to make stuff last. And so I thought to myself, and we weren't supposed to sit on that, but I thought to myself, you know what, man, I've been cleaning up this house. I'm, I deserve to sit in the good furniture. And so I looked around the house to make sure I was there by myself. And then I pulled some of those covers back, and I sat down on that good furniture. And I'll never forget, guys, my mom, right in front of me was a coffee table. And on that coffee table, my mom had a big red Bible. And I don't know if it was audible. I don't know if it was internal. But students, it was like that I heard, pick me up. It scared me so bad, I got up and walked around the house to see if I was there by myself. Little did I know that the Lord was speaking to me. And I thought to myself as I sat back down, I was like, look, I'm not in school. I need to do something academic. How about this? I'll just read the Bible. Now, understand this. I hated reading. Reading was, was to me like NyQuil is to the nighttime sniffling sneezer. It had just knocked me out. Right? Anybody with me? I never read a book in my entire life. But I knew the Bible had been around for a long time, and I thought, cool, I can do this. I'll read one chapter a day. And so I thumbed through the Bible. I found this book called The Gospel of Mark. I didn't even know it was the gospel. I just had a friend named Mark. He was pretty cool, and there were 16 chapters. And I thought, score, I can do this. One chapter a day for 16 days. And so every day I'd get up and I'd clean the house, and I'd sit down and I'd read the Bible. One chapter. And who I discovered, students, was like somebody I had heard about before. I'd even been baptized at eight years old, but I didn't have a clue who Jesus was, and my life proved it. Y'all digging with me tonight? And when I, when I began to read about Jesus, things changed. You see, what was so crazy was is that when Jesus stepped on the scene, he went to the religious people who should have known him. And he tried to extend love to them, but they loved, their, they loved their organized tradition more than they loved God. And they totally missed who Jesus was. And Jesus was pretty rough on those guys. And I thought, that's pretty cool because I know a few religious people I like to give one of these to. Because, see, here's the crazy thing is that on Friday and Saturday nights when I was out doing the stuff that I, knew I wasn't supposed to be doing, you know who was with me? All the kids that went to church. All the kids who on Friday and Saturday nights who said Jesus was their Lord and Savior and they rolled into church on Sunday mornings, they were with me on Friday and Saturday nights. And my thought was they would say, Brian, why don't you come to church with us? And I was like, what's the use? You're here doing my stuff. The only difference is, is you get up on Sunday mornings and you roll into church. I said, who couldn't do that? If you get there early enough, they give you donuts and orange juice. If you go enough times, they'll take you places for free. Who couldn't do that? I just didn't really see the, the use in it. Y'all digging with me? That makes sense? And so I thought, man, I don't have nothing to do with those hypocrites. I know I'm a mess. But the crazy thing was is I kept reading, and Jesus would not only meet religious people, he'd meet people like me, people on the margin of society, people that, that other people didn't want to have anything to do. I can literally remember hearing my friends say, Brian, we can't hang out with you anymore. Our parents won't let you because they say you're bad news. And man, that hurts. I don't care how tough you are. That's like, whoa. And Jesus met people like that, and he took them just as they, are, they were. Prostitutes, people who were sick, people who religious people didn't want to do anything with. And he took them just as they were, but he wouldn't leave them the same way he found them. And he loved them just like they were, but his love for them changed them radically to the point that every one of them would say, I will follow you. And students, that blew me out of the water. 
Here's a guy who shouldn't have anything to do with people like this, but when he has something to do with people like this, they can't help but dedicate themselves to him. And I was hooked. And I'll never forget, students, when I read the 14th, 15th, and 16th chapter of the Gospel of Mark in one setting where Jesus was brutally beaten, denied by his special boys called disciples, brutally beaten, hung upon a cross, and then raised from the dead. And it was the one time in my life, students, where I could actually understand the love of God displayed in human form. And I'll never forget it. It was a Tuesday afternoon. I slipped out of that chair. I draped across that, that coffee table just like this. And I said these words to Jesus. I said, Jesus, if you could do this for me, then I will live for you. Forgive me and change me. And show the picture again, bro, if you will. I was 15 years old. I'm 41 today. Not today, but I'm 41 right now. It's not my birthday, sorry. Some of y'all are ready to clap. I appreciate that support out there. You do the math here, but I've never been the same, nor do I want to be the same. Not because of me, but because of what Jesus could do for me and what he did for me. And here's what's so crazy about the students is that Every day I would continue to read and, and I would learn more and my life was changing. And I'm going to talk more about that change all week long. It was changing the way I thought. It was changing the way I talked. It was changing the things that I desired. It was changing how everything was going on in my life. And I thought to myself, I was like, man, if this is so good, why did it take me so long? See, when other people would talk about Jesus, I would get kind of like embarrassed. Y'all with me? Anybody know what I'm saying? We'd be somewhere and somebody would say, hey, man, you need to come to church. And I was like, uh, not, not, not now. I don't want to talk about that. Or when someone would talk about Jesus, Brian, you need to give your life to Jesus. Like I would get embarrassed or I would say, man, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. When I would hear preachers talk and they were like, oh, you need to come under the conviction. Anybody, have a, anybody ever heard a preacher talk like that? You need to come under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. I was like, number one, all them scary movies I watch, I want nothing to do with no ghost. And number two, what does it mean to be convicted? Does that mean like, you know, I'm a con, like the root word of conviction is convict, <laughs> okay? Does that mean Jesus got like this holding cell in heaven where he just holds you out for a little while? I mean, I didn't have a clue. When they talk about repentance, that old word, I'm like, repentance? What? What are you talking about? It was just so foreign to me. It sounds so stupid to me. It sounded so idiotic to me. And then students, I'll never forget People would come by and like my mom, she would say, Brian, you don't need to listen to that kind of music. You need to listen to a better kind of music. Like she'd roll up in my room and I'd be listening to a, a group that came out in the early 90s. You guys have made, I hope you didn't see the movie, but it was a movie called Straight Outta Compton. It was about this group called NWA. And I would sing this song. Woke up quick at about noon, just thought that I had to be in Compton soon. I got to get drunk before the day begins, before my mother starts about my friends. About to go and they went blind. Young brothers at the path throwing up gang signs. Ran in the house and grabbed my clip with the MAC-10 on the side of my head. Because the boys in the hood are always hard. Come talking that trash, we'll pull your card. Knowing nothing in life but to be legit. Don't quote me, boy, because mm -hmm, y'all know what I'm saying. See, what was so crazy... Is my mama would say, at 15 years old, she'd say, Brian, you don't need to listen to that. And I would say, no, nah, mama, I ain't listening to the words. I'm just listening to the beat. I think I was listening to a little bit more than the beat. This is not a song I memorized just so I can preach. That was my theme song. Y'all know what I'm saying? 
So I didn't want to have anything to do with that. When people would talk about purity, I was like, purity? What is purity? Everybody's doing it. What's wrong with you? When people say, Brian, you don't need to smoke weed. You don't need to drink. You don't need to do that. I'm like, why not? I'm a teenager. I'm supposed to do all this. And when someone would say, because of Jesus, I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, can you not mention fun and Jesus in the same words, in the same sentence? Because it just sounded so ridiculous to me. It sounded so strange to me. And y'all with me tonight? You with me? And I'll never forget, students, as I kept reading the Bible throughout January to May, and I'll never forget when I came to a passage of Scripture. It's probably one of the first passages of Scripture I ever memorized. And it's in 1 Corinthians 1.18. I want to show it to you tonight. If you have it in your Bibles, I want you to turn there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible reads like this. For the message of the cross is foolishness, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And immediately, students, when I read 1 Corinthians 1.18, it hit me. The reason why I thought Jesus was so silly, the reason why I thought Jesus was so stupid, the reason why I thought surrendering my life to Christ was so foolish is because I was dying in my sins. Y'all digging me? You see, the stuff that I thought was making me cool was killing me. But I had a group of boys, I had a group of friends behind me going, Brian, you the man. And I was like, yeah, I'm the man. I had no idea that choosing my own way was killing me. I had no idea that I had been trained wrongly and to misuse my teenage years simply for the fact of trying to impress people with either how good I could fight or the stupid stuff that I could do. You see, I thought that's what life was all about. And I'll never forget the night I read 1 Corinthians 1.18. It finally clicked. The reason why Jesus was so silly to me is because I was dying. You see, the message of the cross, can I just share it with you real quick, students? The reason why the message of the cross was so silly is not because the message of the cross is silly. No, it's because of where my heart and my mind were. You see, the Bible gives a commandment to, you, to us guys, and it goes like this. In Leviticus 11.44, God makes this amazing promise, and he says, Be holy as I'm holy. Now, what it simply means to be holy is it means to be set apart. What does it mean to be set apart? Think about it this way. How many, of you guys, uh, how many of you guys have a smartphone, right? Some of y'all got a smartphone that's so smart it's making you do dumb stuff, right? Mm-hmm, okay. And on that smartphone, maybe you got iTunes, right? And how many songs you got on iTunes? Maybe two or three hundred? Something like that. Okay, Shh. not a competition, not a competition, okay? Hang here with me. Now, when you go to listen to your music, do you listen to all 350 songs at one time? No, you put them on a what? A playlist. What am I saying? Of all 350 songs, you have a playlist that's maybe 10 or 15 songs, right? And you title them like, get my swole on playlist, you know, get my, you know, my training on playlist, chilling with my friends playlist, chillaxing playlist, study playlist. You know what I'm saying? What am I saying? Of all those songs, you have a few that are set apart for your enjoyment. 
And guys, that's what God means when he says, I want you to be set apart. I want you to be holy as I'm holy. In other words, I want you to live out the created purpose that I gave you breath for. I love it. My boy Micah tonight said, you, the very fact you can, you guys just feel your heart right quick. Put your hand on your heart. Can you feel it beating? I can feel mine beating right now. The very fact that you are able, your heart is able to function right now is the fact you have a father who cares about you and has given you one more pump of, 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 of blood, one more pump of oxygen so that you can fulfill life, specifically that you're prepared for eternity. And then you can honor his, his goal for you and the reason why you have life. Y'all digging me? But here's the problem with that, guys is that instead of saying that I want to be set apart to God and I want to live according to the purpose that I was created for and I want to live so that I can say yes to Jesus, I love saying yes to myself. See, the biggest problem for some of us in this room isn't that you don't have a cool youth pastor. It isn't that you don't have an amazing pastor. It isn't that you don't have an awesome church or youth ministry to be a part of. The biggest problem for most of us in this room is we love ourselves way more than we love God. Come on. And you know what the Bible calls that? Sin. It's a word our culture doesn't use anymore. It's an old word, but it's a good word because it tells us exactly what we're like. And here's what I want you to understand, students, is that sin isn't just the wordy dirts that you say and the bad thoughts that you have and the evil intention you have in your heart. Sin is this. It's simply choosing your way over God's way. Is choosing your way over God's way. You, you don't believe me? Think about it this way. How many of y'all, when you get home from school, you throw your books down by, your, by the door? Is that where they belong? You take off up to your room, and about halfway to your room, you hear from the kitchen, Honey! And what's your response? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> You're like a... Freshman girl weighs like 85 pounds soaking wet, and all of a sudden your size six and a half shoes turn into 80-pound boots. And you're like, what? Right? Unless you got little Loretta as your mama, <laughs> right? What is that? It's the outward expression of the inward reality. I don't want anybody messing with me when I want to do what I want to do. And you know what the Bible calls that? Sin. And the Bible, guys, is very clear about sin. See, the reason why I describe it that way and define it that way is over the years of working with students and adults, I find that all of us will describe sin by the things we, we could never see ourselves doing. And so it's a comparison. But the Bible tells us in Romans 3 that all have sinned and we all fall short of what Jesus wants out of our life. So here's the deal. Sin isn't like a disease that certain people get and others don't. All of us are affected by it. And our sins make us an enemy to God. But God's love for you is so much bigger than his hatred for your sin. And so here's what God did. Y'all digging with me tonight? Out of his great love, he who is spirit took flesh from a woman and lived in that flesh some 33 years. And in Jesus' life, he never, the Bible says, what? Sinned. How do we define sin? Choosing your way over. Come on, talk to me. Choosing your way over. God's way. In his entire life. And so in Jesus' life from birth until his death, he never ever sins. And he wins for us the righteous requirements of God. He fulfills the commandment God says to be holy as I'm holy. But you see, it doesn't stop there. God drove a stick in the ground 
And he hung his one and only blameless son on that, on that stick. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he said, And God's made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. What did Jesus do? When he stretched out his arms and his hands on that feet, on the, his, his arms and his feet on that cross, he basically was doing this. He took on all of our sins, choosing our way over his, and he absorbed the wrath of God. He absorbed the punishment that I deserve and that you deserve because of what we've done against God. That's the message of the cross, and he absorbs it all. And when he stretches out his arms and his, and, and his feet on that cross, he's in essence saying, Father, don't punish them, but punish me in their place. You digging me? And he dies in our place as a substitute, and he's risen from the dead to give what cost him everything as a free gift to you and me. And that's a right relationship with him. To be able to set free from our sins. To be able to set free from the things that make us an enemy to God. And students, that day, that Tuesday afternoon, what used to be so stupid to me became the most amazing, glorious, most powerful thing I'd ever heard in my entire life. Because it went from being silliness to being power. Because you see, here's the thing, it takes a different kind of power to change you. It takes a different kind of power than just saying, oh, I'm sorry for that. I'll do better. I'll try harder. I'll be a better girl. I'll be a better guy. Mm -mm. It takes God kind of power to change your mind and to change your heart and to change your life to take you from being dead in your sins and make you alive in Christ. And Jesus has that kind of power. You see, guys, it costs you very little to love God, but it costs God everything to love you. And it's a free, willing gift he's willing to give you. You see, the cross, the message of the cross is this, is he knew everything about you, and he still loves you. And when I found that love, it changed me. It was no longer silliness. It became my question for you tonight is the cross and the message of the cross that God would handle what keeps you from being a friend, a child to him. Is that silliness to you and stupidity or is it the power of God? Tonight, students, I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm not asking if you're a good guy or a good girl raised in Louisiana, Oklahoma or some part of Texas. What I'm asking tonight is this, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? You see, when he collided with my life, he made a deep impact on me, and I never, ever want to get over it. He made such an impact on me that what I thought was so silly became the most wonderful thing I'd ever heard. He took my brokenness and blessed me. He took my aloneness and accepted me. He took my struggles and identified with them so that I could know that he could use every struggle, and I'll talk about this week, as a, as a place to point to him. And he did it all through his sinless life, sacrificial death, and glorious resurrection. And he did it to give it as a gift to you. And you know what you got to do to receive this gift? You got to try harder. You got to be smarter. You got to buy it. Mm -mm. The Bible lays out for us one simple, simple solution. And here's the solution. 
to just consciously and sympathetically say, I am headed in the wrong direction. And this is no longer silly to me. It's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. He is the most amazing thing. It's an old word. It's called repentance. And the Bible says to the in Romans 4, 5, a verse I think needs to be as memorized as John 3, 16, to the, to the man or woman, to the student who does not work but trust God, to him is credited righteousness. Everything you need to be right with God. And so my question for you tonight is this. Are you right with God? Let me say it one more time. Are you right with God? You're not right with God simply because you feel sorry for something. And you're not right with God just simply because you're going to try harder. See, guys, Jesus didn't die on the cross to make good boys and girls better. He died on the cross to make dead men and women alive. And the only way you can be right with him is to take what he did on the cross for you and through faith apply it to your life. And my question tonight is do you know this Savior? Let me ask you just a few questions because some of you may still be wondering. I just want to pull these up on the screen real quick. When you hear about the message of Christ, are you embarrassed by Jesus? It's difficult to be embarrassed by the one that you say you love. Does the gospel seem silly to you? If that's the case, then students, the scriptures are clear, then you're still perishing in your sins. And I get it because the stuff I thought was making me cool was actually killing me until I could see how amazing he was and how he died to rescue me from all that trap. And here's the other question I have. What consumes your attention? Is it your dreams? Is it your goals? Is it your affections? What is it that speaks and is so much more powerful than the gospel in your life? You see, the Bible goes on later, and I'll never forget when I read this in John chapter 2. It says, to the man or the woman or to the student who says, I know him, you must walk as Jesus did. Earlier than that, it says, to the student who says, I, I know him but does not obey him, the scripture says, that student is a liar and the truth of God is not in you. So here's the deal, guys. You can't have the spirit of Jesus Christ living inside of you and be so sarcastic against the things of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's not schizophrenic. So do you know this Savior? Are you right with God? Is the cross silliness to you or is it power? And maybe tonight you're like, Brian, it was silly until right now. And I want it to become power in my life to change me and save me. And if that's you, then you're in a good place. Because the Bible is very clear, and I want to give you this hope. In Romans chapter 10, the Bible says this one amazing promise. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I did that when I was 15. You can do that tonight. Would you give your life to Christ? Would you let the great change happen that he took all your sins so you could have all his righteousness? Would you let him take all of your punishment so that you can get all of his peace?
tonight, would you accept his death so that you can get his life forever? Tonight, would you turn from loving yourself to love him and become a Christian? And if that's you tonight, you say, Brian, I want that in my life. Then I want to give you an opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord. And I want everybody to look at me. What we're getting ready to do is not a moment of rededication. Because you cannot rededicate what has never been Jesus's. What we're getting ready to do right now is a moment of salvation. You have an opportunity before Jesus to turn from your sins, ask him to forgive you, and save you from sin, death, hell, and the grave for eternity. And if that's you, don't move. Then I want you to borrow my words tonight. Would you pray with me tonight? With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you say, Brian, I want to give Jesus my life. I want to surrender myself to him. Nobody move right now. College leaders, group leaders will have a chance to move here in just a second. If you're here tonight and you say, Brian, the message of the cross has been foolishness to me, but I realize tonight is my night that Jesus is working to save me. And I want his power in my life, not foolishness. I want his love in my life, not his wrath. I want his peace in my life, not alienation from him. If that's you tonight and you want to give your life to Christ, then I want you to just simply borrow my words. Nothing magical about them, but something very supernatural in the authority of Scripture. The Bible says whoever calls upon Jesus will be saved. So if that's you tonight, would you just simply borrow my words and say, Jesus... I've chosen my way over yours and that makes me a sinner my sins separate me from you and I'm in danger I turn from my sins Jesus and in faith I turn to you come into my life and forgive me of all my sins Be my Savior, be my Lord, rescue me. I want to be a Christian. I will follow you. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you barred my words tonight, understanding that what we just did was for salvation, and you just gave your life to Christ as sincerely as you possibly could, here's what I want to ask you to do. When I count to three, would you just simply raise your hand? Here we go. Just gave your life to Christ. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. Lord, I trust you for this right now. When I count to three, raise your hand. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Raise them and raise them high all over this room. You are not the only one. If you were scared that you'd be the only one, you are not the only one. Raise them and raise them high. Now, here's what I want to ask you. Those of you who've got your hands raised right now, Don't put them down. Keep them raised. And I'm asking for two seconds of insane courage that if you were sincere about Jesus being your Savior and your Lord right now, you just gave your life to Christ. When I count to two, I want you to stand to your feet. Here we go. Ready? One, two, stand. Wow. Praise God. Once you stand up, you can put your hand down by your side. 
Those of you who are standing, I want you to come down right here. Come in the front right here. Come on. Come on. College leaders, this is your, or group leaders, this is your time to kind of get staged by the back doors. We're going to send them out to you here in just a second. If you just gave your life to Christ, I want you to come down front right now. And just, you just stare at me. Look at me. You don't have to look at them. We, we're not worried about their approval. Why? Because you just got the approval of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He knew everything about you, and he said, Woo, I love them so much, I'm going to die for them. And then I'm going to organize tonight, the first night of Camp Collide, that they can turn from what has bound them, and I can make them alive in me. Do you guys realize that? Do you guys realize right now everything you've ever done against God has been washed away by the power of God, by the power of Jesus' shed blood on the cross? You are brand new. You with me? The angels in heaven, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of Luke, that they're rejoicing in heaven. They're going, it's your birthday. Have a party. Why? Because you have just been born into the kingdom of God. And you are not the same person that you walked in here as. You're going to leave brand new and alive. Amen. Can we celebrate the students? Come on. Come on. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! Yeah, yeah! Uh. It's okay. Amen. Amen. Look at, look at them. Look at them standing up to celebrate with you. Look at them standing up to celebrate with you. You are not by yourself. Amen. Amen. These are your new brothers and sisters in Christ. Turn around real quick, guys. Turn around and look at, the, look at your family. Now, here's the deal. Y'all look at me right quick. Is there, is there anybody else who gave their life to Christ tonight, but, but you were too embarrassed, you were afraid, and you didn't raise your hand? but you know you belong with this group right here. If that's you right now, I'm giving you freedom. Come on right now and say, Brian, I gave my life to Christ, but I didn't raise my hand because I thought I'd be the only one. Or I was worried about what my friends were thinking, but you know you gave your life to Christ. If that's you, come on right now. This is a free place. This is a loving place. Would there be one? If you're nervous, grab the person next to you and say, would you please walk with me? I just gave my life to Christ. I want to go and testify. I want to share it. Come on right now. Don't wait. I know there are students in this room who've done that. Come on. Would there be one? Is that you? Amen. Wow. Anybody else? why we came to camp anybody else guy or girl even an adult Jesus just saved you but you you held on and you're like no I, I can't do this anymore it's not silliness anymore it gives me power now anybody else belong with this group right here come on right now here's the deal God won't always wrestle with you the worst thing he could ever do to you is just say okay that's the life you want to live go have at it Anybody else? I'm going to just count it down from five, four, three. Wow.
So the one, two, three, four, five, six of you who just came down, you're coming down right now because you say you just gave your life to Christ. You ask him to forgive you of your sins and save you. Is that, is that why you're here? I don't want to put words in your mouth. I just want to be clear. Is that right? This is a universal sign for yes, universal sign for no. Cool. Because, see, here's the deal. It's not about me being the guest speaker. I didn't come to be the guest speaker. I just want to be your big brother in the Lord and point you to him. So the key here is you understanding that this is not what you did, but it's what Christ has done in you. Does that make sense? And I want to make sure all of you understand. And so here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to ask the group, the same six of you who just walked down here, I'm going to ask you to lead this group straight down this middle aisle in just a second. And see all those guys and girls in the back? Those are your, those are your group leaders. They're going to spend some time with you guys and to make sure that you understand the decision that you made. Now, tonight, I did not give, a, I did not give an invitation for rededication. Okay? All right? Look, I know. I was baptized at eight years old, but I didn't know anything about Jesus. That Tuesday in my mama's house, Jesus became Savior and Lord of my life. So don't let there be any confusion. If this is the night you've given your life to Christ, you say, hey, I just gave my life to Christ. I want to celebrate this. It's a line in the sand. I'm brand new. I'm never going back. Okay? So I want to pray for you right now, and I want to ask you guys just to lift your hands just like this, like you're surrendering. I want you to take five seconds in your own words, and I want you to thank Jesus for saving you from your sins, and then I'm going to pray for you. Is that cool? Is that a deal? All right, ready, set, go. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for these students. I thank you that you are still the Lord of the harvest. You are a saving God, and you will be until the day you return. And I thank you, Lord, for the students here tonight who have given their life to you, who have turned from their sins and asked you to be Savior and Lord of their life. Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, now seal them until the day you return and give them understanding about how amazing you are and how great your love is for them. And so, Father, I ask and I pray now that you would help them and enable these, these leaders to speak into their lives and help them clarify this decision tonight. And dear Heavenly Father, that we could get a record of it and celebrate and they could begin to grow in you. And so I ask these things in the amazing name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Now you guys right here, you're not going to miss anything. I want you to just walk straight back. Just straight back. Come on. Let's celebrate them, guys. Come on. Come on. Don't leave. I want you to just walk right back through here. Come on. Awesome. What's up? What's up? What's up? Praise God. Amen. 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 Now, here's the deal. Mike and the band's going to lead us. You guys enjoy Micah and the band? You guys are rocking, man. Love it. Now, here's the deal. There are many... There's some of you still here, and you, you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. And I, I'm begging you, if you need to be with this group, go right now. But don't put this off. But there are a whole bunch of you who know Jesus as your personal Savior. 
but you live as though you don't know him. And my question is, is why? You get embarrassed about him. You've not invited him into your relationships, your friendships, your schoolwork, and your extracurricular activities. It's like all Jesus has got control of is where you are on Sunday morning or on Wednesday nights. And that's not salvation, guys. That's a convenience. That's a Jesus just makes sure when I die I get to go to heaven, but I don't want you having any control of my life. And guys, I'm going to be honest with you. The Bible doesn't know. The Bible doesn't give us any indication that that's what salvation is. And so here's what I want to ask you guys to do tonight as we finish with this worship set. Is Jesus the dumbest thing you've ever heard? Is there something in your life that speaks louder than him? And if there is, lay it down. Father, we thank you and we praise you tonight that you are at work, that you change lives, that you do all things well. Father, do your work. Help us to honor you as we worship you. In Jesus' name, and all God's students said, amen.